0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got something really cool lined up for you guys today. I'm sitting down with an old friend of mine. For the purpose of today, we are going to call her Anne-Marie. No part of her name is really Anne-Marie, but You kind of wanted to not have your name in the mix, right? You got it. And I understand why. Because we are doing a mini-series on mental health. And we're not really a hardcore science kind of uh, podcast. We're more about information, knowledge, entertainment, you know, on a much lighter note. Uh, If you want to go listen to hard science, go find a fucking hard science podcast. And good luck to you. You might be a little bit fucking bored in that shit. I know I would be. Hence, we don't do that. We're more into people. We're more into people and people's stories. And Anne-Marie was nice enough to agree to uh, have us in her space and uh, discuss some of the stuff she's got going on. And uh, I think it's really interesting to understand some of these mental health conditions, but not from a textbook standpoint, not from a journal article standpoint, not coming from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a medical doctor but coming from someone on the other side of that desk and so enter Emery. so why don't we start this here Emery, can you tell us a little bit about yourself let's start there you're staring at me like <laughs> i don't know what hard. i mean it's actually myself. really
1: hard to talk about yourself like i never know where to start
0: okay so. let's let's start let's start here. Your name is not Anne-Marie. It is not. How old are you, Anne-Marie? I'm 39. And when it comes down to mental health, obviously, you agreed to do this because there's something going on with you in the mental health realm. Let's, it, let's start there.
1: Yeah. Um, I, for almost 22 years, um, I struggled with mental health. Um, but it has to go back to me being a child, um, being abused. That's where it all started. I thought it was me I thought uh, I was doing something wrong at first I thought every kid was going through what I was going through but that's not the case Um, as I got older uh, it didn't stop somebody in my obviously my immediate family abused me as a child so it took a big toll on me it played with my mind
0: can I ask you we're going to just get down to it, right? Mm-hmm. You okay with that? I'm okay with that. What kind of abuse are we talking about?
1: Sexual abuse. Okay. Um, that's all he ever really did was sexual abuse. Um, I never knew what a penis was before. Uh, obviously, I was, I would say seven-ish when um, it all started. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. Like I said, I thought it was normal, but it uh, obviously is not normal. And uh, I never to- I never told anybody because you know how you hear in the movies when someone is, uh, sorry, a child's being abused, it's our little secret? Well, that is actually quite true. That is what happens. That is what I was told when he was doing what he was doing at a young age for me. It was, this is our secret. Nobody needs to know. And I thought I was being a good little girl, but I didn't know what the difference was. I didn't know that it wasn't normal. I didn't know that it wasn't supposed to happen.
0: Yeah, you're you're a little kid.
1: Right. Um I just didn't like the way it made me feel. So uh it carried on for years until I reached about high school. Um that's where I just couldn't take it anymore. I didn't want to be left alone at home because I knew that if he didn't see a car I was here, he would you know find ways or excuses to come here. And I didn't want that. And uh, one day at school, I just kind of, I went to a counselor. But you know when they say in school, you can go to your guidance counselor for anything and it's uh, confidential and they're there to protect you.
0: Uh
1: Um, That's what I did. But uh, they didn't protect me. They got police involved, which now that I'm older, I understand why they did that. However, no one in my family ever knew What had happened except for my mom. And the only reason why my mom knew was because the school got involved. And for, for me, I protected my father in all of this. Um, so I had to withdraw from school. Um, sorry, I had to withdraw my statement from school and I said that I did it for attention. And that is where a lot of it started. To play with my mind even more on the suicide attempts.
0: Okay, so hold on. Let me back this up a little bit because I just want to make sure I'm following this. Mm -hmm. This started when you were in elementary school age. Right. This carried on throughout elementary school and then into high school. Early high school, yeah. And then you're like, this is too much. I need to say something to somebody. Yeah. And then you tell the guidance counselor. That's right. And then the guidance counselor, you know, I assume, and this is just based on everything that I kind of know about mandatory reporting obligations for healthcare professionals and so on, I assume that a guidance counselor would have to, by law, break confidentiality and then inform the authorities when they come to know these types of things. That's right. Okay.
1: So um, the police got involved and I had to withdraw my story basically. And I told them that I was I made it up, that it was fictional.
0: So when you say that you had to withdraw your story, because you were kind of alluding to the idea of protecting your father. Mm -hmm. Explain this a little bit more to me, if you can.
1: Explain why I withdrew my story?
0: Yeah, and and the whole idea of protecting family members like your father.
1: My dad's a really good man. And um, I, at the time, wasn't sure what he would have done. I wasn't sure... Ah uh, what I knew the pain it would cause, but right. I wasn't sure what actions he would take. Not that it meant that the man who did that to me at a young age should get off scot-free. No, mm-hmm. but I was really close to my dad and I still am, but I feared for what would have come next. So I kept it to myself. Um, he did admit when he, when authority got involved, I had to apologize and had to write a letter. I had to sign a statement with the police. Um, however, when my mom approached this particular person, um, he did admit at first he denied it, but he did admit that he had done what he had done.
0: So this is... You've you've told the guidance council, the guidance counselor now informs the authorities, the cops are involved, your statement is there, so this person is named in this statement, this person is now involved in this, you know, whatever the cops do in these mm-hmm. scenarios. And now in kind of protecting your father and your family, you like, no, I made that up and you retract on that. That's right. But all that information is is now made free for them
1: for the authorities
0: F- and and your parents. So they Not
1: my parents, my mom.
0: Your mother. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. My father does to this day does not know any of this information.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what do the cops do in this scenario?
1: They um for a few months they had monitored me um to find out if it was uh, something that is an ongoing situation with me in terms of me lying um or did the situation actually happen? So
0: when you say monitor you, how did, how did they do that?
1: They would pop by the school. Okay. And, uh, they would speak to the guidance counselor and have me in for a session and talk. And they would, um, you ever, you watch as law and order,
0: basically special victims. Yeah. You, I used to. Yeah.
1: Okay. So something similar to that where they would come in and they would speak to you. Um, okay. Uh, there was one officer who came in, female officer. She knew that I was telling the truth, um, but I would not admit it. I did everything I could, cried everything uh, to convince them that I was not telling the truth. Um, so it was, it's kind of like that scenario where they would come in and speak to you and have a session with you and, and ask you questions and same questions, but phrased differently. Right. Um, and they would bring up my session with the guidance counselor and, and, and figure out if I was telling the truth or not. Right. Um, but after a while, it started to go away where they stopped showing up. And I had already... I was 15 at the time when I was in school so by the next year I was 16 and there was nothing they could do after that and I didn't know (laughs) that being 16 is where they would have kept that confidential. They wouldn't have gotten the authorities involved. I would have been able to express myself to the guidance counselor. I think the laws now are different but back then that's how it was because I was 15 when I did start high school. That's how it happened for me. So it was a rough time for me and that's when a lot of the darkness started to hit me where I was blaming myself for everything. It was eating me up inside that I had to keep this from my dad. Um, And it still does eat me inside because I, th- I think that if I was able to tell him or go back in time and be able to tell him yeah. that I think that I wouldn't be as Fucked up. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. You know, um, and I thought now that he stopped doing what he did, I thought I could get my life back. I thought I could move on and try to live as normal as I could. Um, but that didn't exactly work out that way. I was, I came back from Italy at 18 and a, a friend of mine who I thought was a friend, I should say, he raped me and that was hard because after everything i've been through and at the time nobody really knew
0: is this someone you were dating or
1: no he was just a friend he was a friend and he was really close to a lot of people that we when i say we i mean my friends and i we all knew him and my brother knows him and and such so that was hard you know coming back feeling refreshed um I went to Italy because I got kicked out of school. It's just, that was my way of retaliating. Like, I used to get into arguments and fights and stuff. None that were my fault, to be honest with you. But regardless of that, I came back and I thought, you know what? I'm 18 and I can start fresh. Yeah. But it didn't happen that way. And when I got raped, there was just one more thing that got taken away from me. You know, I figured I didn't have a childhood growing up. A good one or a proper one, I should say. And I thought, you know what? I'm 18. This is this is it. Like I I can move forward and I can try as best as I can to get rid of all that negative that happened when I was a kid. And then that happens.
0: This is gonna sound like a really silly question, because I can only imagine, and I don't I don't want to imagine. I I kind of want to understand how does it alter your childhood? Obviously it has to, there's no possible way it fucking can. Yeah. But if you were to look back now, like tell me what your childhood was kind of like and how you attribute everything that's happened to, to altering what could have been a normal childhood.
1: Well, my childhood for the most part was fine. As long as I wasn't around that particular person. Okay. Um, I, I, played as much as i could outside with other kids uh, i did as much as i could um but it was different for me because anytime whether it be a male or a female, wanted to give me a hug, don't.
0: Right.
1: Especially the men. Don't touch me. You know, that's where my mind was. And anytime a man wanted to hug me, you know, whether it was uh, somebody who was 15 or somebody who was 35 or somebody who was 50, my mind raced to, great, he's going to touch my boobs. You know, great, he's going to go for my vagina area. And that is what the biggest difference between somebody who I say grow grew up normal without being abused to somebody who, like me, who every other day was abused, touched. And I did things at eight or nine or 10, 11 that no one, no, no kid should do, you know, like who wants to, who wants to stroke a, a a penis at that age? Who knows about that stuff? No one. I mean, maybe the kids now it's different, but back then, when you and I were growing up, did you know a lot about that? You know, I don't know. You know, like yeah, you knew women were different and men were different, and I knew that. But uh, did I want to suck a a dick? Yeah. No. Yeah. Who wanted to do that at that age? That's it's just something that is so hard to to process, you know, and. Uh, I wish it was different, but you can't wish anymore.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean it happened. I always thought that I was being punished. I always thought that I did something so horrible that it was it was supposed to happen to me, you know, and then I was eighteen, and
0: like divine powers saying eh, this is this is the cards we're dealing you because
1: you got it." I, honest to God, thought that I was such a troubled child baby. I gave them hell or, or even in my past life, was I that much of a horrible person that now that I'm here, this is what I have to go through? And I don't know. I just, I tried as much as I could to be as normal as I could. And I know that I made it harder for me to be liked as a kid you know, in school. And I know that I caused a lot of heartache and and, and and such when it came to teachers. I gave them such a hard time.
0: Were you conscious about it at that time to say, to realize like I'm doing this because I'm acting out or is that something in retrospect now that you're like looking back at your behavior going, I know why I did that.
1: Now? No, no. It took me a long time to figure that out. I, when I was acting out in school and I used to get into fights in school, I mean, who gets kicked out in grade eight? Only I do. Like, you know, I, I never thought that one went with the other. I never thought because I was being sexually abused that I was acting out to, to get not attention, to get that aggression, to get that that inner hate out towards another student. And even Mm -hmm. though, like I said to you before, I never started the fights, but because I didn't make myself likable either. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was one of those, like I was known as a tomboy ish type, you know, but it's not because I wanted to hang out with the boys. I just, I, I didn't want one or the other. I, I just, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I, I, I was, that's all it was. Like I, I was just there And the girls didn't like me very much. And the boys did because even though I suck at sports, it would be one of those. You know, I would run and play with them or try to catch a ball. Lord knows I can't catch a ball if my life depended on it. So don't toss me a ball. (laughs) But it was one of those. And I think I got along with the guys because I didn't have to be... How do you explain it? I didn't have to be the emotional girl. I could just throw on that hard exterior and be with the guys, but not let them touch me. Right. That was a difference. You know, a lot of them didn't even care to do that. And that's what I kind of liked. But then I kind of thought, am I that ugly that they don't want to hit on me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I just got myself into so much trouble both ways, you know, between guys and girls that I just reacted and that's how it went.
0: So now you're, you're back from Italy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was 18. I got back from Italy. It was the summertime. It was the summertime. I needed a ride to Yorkdale. I was meeting with someone. And uh, a friend of mine offered. And I thought, hell.
0: He's a (laughs) friend of mine, yeah.
1: Yeah. But for me, it was a beat taking the
0: bus.
1: (laughs) Right? Who wants to be on the bus? Especially in the summertime. So when he didn't, he wasn't driving direct to Yorkdale. He said he had to make a stop. And it was uh, a warehouse. So I waited. Um, sorry. I waited for him to get back. Uh, I didn't even know where he went. Right. Um, at this point, I think he went to take a piss, but I don't know. Uh, he got back and, um, he started talking and he started telling me I'm, I'm pretty and I'm cute and he can't believe that I'm single and all that gushy, mushy stuff. And, uh, he had a girlfriend. And the next thing you know, he started kissing on me and I didn't want it. And the minute he started kissing on me, it brought me right back. Every time I said no, it would bring me right back to my childhood. And the next thing you know, he's on top of me. And I wasn't strong enough to say no. I couldn't get him off me. Lord knows I tried. Mm -hmm. And then it happened. And instead of... Thing he's to this day he's still doesn't there's no sorry out of it after he did what he did he drove me to Yorkdale but I was covered like my legs were just completely covered in blood and he knew that he had taken something from me and I didn't even make it inside Yorkdale I made it to the first payphone I saw I called my thank god my mom was home I told her I had gotten my period to come get me and uh It was months before I actually went out and did anything. Months. Wow. The sad part is, come September, I had to see him in school every day. Every single day. And again, that's where my depression and my suicidal thoughts started to happen even more. Because I was so convinced that it is me. To this day, I'm 39 And I still think sometimes it is me. It's me. I'm the one who did something wrong. And I'm trying to figure out who did I piss off? Who? Who did I make so angry that they had to do this to me? That's
0: heavy. That's more than anyone should ever have to deal with. Right. Did you ever go to therapy or seek help? I
1: did. I was in my late 20s. This was just after my first attempt, and um, my doctor had put me on already. I was already on depression pills, but he put me on a higher dosage of depression pills. And uh, he had uh, heard from emerge that I was. Oh, he saw the papers. I'm sorry. From emerge that I was. Uh, I attempted suicide. Okay. Um. Once again, my whole it was a mistake. I didn't mean to take all those pills, what, but I did.
0: What age? was the first attempt I was twenty two and, um, and just popping pills what what kind of pills are we talking about
1: well i I was on a I was on a good cocktail actually. I had some depression pills yeah. I was on anxiety pills and my dad he had some really strong perks going on yeah so obviously I took those and the Tylenol threes and anything I could get my hands on um, and I did. I we have a bar downstairs. <laughs> so I went into the bar and I and I took whatever bottle I could find. And in this very room is where I popped them and I just drank. To the point that somebody did find me and I was an emergency they pumped my stomach. Yeah. And when I came to they had a dog a shrink basically come in and speak to you and whatnot. And I told them I've never done this before and that I was a happy child and a kid, sorry, adult. And that it was a mistake and they didn't really believe me, but they did. And they had me monitor, sorry, they had my doctor monitor me, Okay. which, um, they wanted to know where the anxiety pills came from, where the depression pills came from. And I did tell them. And when I went to see my family doctor, he just upped my dosage and, uh, he had me actually go for help and speak to a doctor which by far was not the greatest for me. How come? It was hard all in itself to open up. Um, so when I went to see a particular doctor, he sat there and almost judgmental. And it was kind of funny when I walked in that day, actually. I walked through the doors and he said who he was. He never got up from his chair. He just said who he was, he told me to have a seat. And I rolled my eyes. And I was like, great, just my fucking luck. It has to be a man. Like who wants to sit across another man other than you, but you know what I mean? And start this entire journey all over again. Who wants to do that? So I did and I sat there and I didn't have anything to say because I'm not a self-starter like that. I don't, I don't feel comfortable telling my story like that, especially when it's still raw for me. Um, so he asked me questions and I would answer them. And I did this as long as I could to appease my family doctor because I didn't really want to see anyone. I didn't want to talk about it. It was too hard to talk. Um, and then I just stopped going. I stopped going for a while. And I thought I had myself under control. But we all know we—I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have it under control. It just got easier, Mark, to... Put on a face, put on a mask. It's like Halloween, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that you're going to you're gonna get up to play the part. You know that you're going to, you look at yourself in the mirror, and as much as you don't like who you see, you're like, we need to convince them. And that's how good it got for me. I was able to convince anybody that I was happy, anybody that nothing was wrong. But every night that I got home, again, those pills is just what I pop. I pop them over and over, and it numbs the pain away. That's what it got
0: to. When you say numb, because I'm not a pill taker. I've never really had to take pills for anything. Mm-hmm. Describe if you can, if you want to, the type of pain and then how the pills help you numb.
1: So it's like, okay, to describe what one ha- one I feel anyways, I can't speak on anybody else's behalf, but... The pain that you feel inside is so excruciating. You ever been cut by glass? No.
0: Never been sure. stabbed? No.
1: Have you ever had an injury at all that you just wanted to say Jesus Christ let this just let it go away, let this pain stop? Yes. Okay. So that's what I feel inside. I feel like somebody is stabbing me over and over again and I don't know how to run from it. It almost feels not just the stabbing, it's the the burn inside. I, I It's hard to describe in a way. I think you have to be with me when I'm stoned to understand it, but it makes me not like who I am. It makes me want to hurt myself from the inside out because I literally feel that I'm dying from the inside out. Mm-hmm. I question it almost every other day. Why am I still here? that's how I feel why am I here why am I left here with all of this to deal with you know and I've seen other doctors who have said because you haven't expressed it or, or, or opened up to people or it's it's not about that it's not I, I don't even think anymore that even if I were to tell him my, my dad or or my other family members what happened it, going to make a difference. I feel completely broken. I feel, I literally want to rip myself from the inside out. I want it all to stop. I, when I, when I get into bed, whether I'm medicated or not, you know how people say their prayers. My, I, I don't, I don't even say a prayer per se. I make a wish. And the only wish I want is to n- not feel like this. I don't want to feel like this. I literally don't want to wake up. I don't. I feel that I'm not meant to be here. I don't think I ever was supposed to be here. So I question why. (laughs) Why am I here? Why am I still going through this? Why do I still feel like this? And what triggers it more for me is when I hear people say, it's been twenty years. Shouldn't you be over it?
0: Who, who are these people?
1: I've I've had a couple of people. It's it's funny. I can't mention this person's name, but yeah, two. One's a male, one's a female, and I've and and they've said that to me. You know, where I've opened up and and they've said it's been twenty years. Don't you think it's time to move on? And then I I question and I say, so it's like losing someone in your family whether it's your kid or your mom or whatever, grieving. Is, is there a time limit on grieving? No, there's no time limit on grieving. One can feel it for the rest of their life. It's just how they cope with it. Um, I had a really good friend of mine. She knew more or less there was something not all there. <laughs> she kind of knew I had a couple of screws loose, but she was still my friend. And uh, saddens me to say that we're not friends now, but when I did my other attempt, it was bad. She uh, she uh called me up. And we were talking and I said, I didn't feel like talking. She's like, I can't believe, you know, it's been so many years. She's like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to deal with this. She's like, I have to learn more on the mental illness and suicide before I can help you. And I, I sat on a chair and I got off the phone and I went, wait a second, you have to figure out how to deal with this? You have to find out how to deal with suicide and mental illness? When if someone like me, and I don't know about other people out there, if someone like me opens up to someone, it's because we trust you. It has nothing to do with, and that pisses me off too, when they say attention, it has nothing to do with attention. When we open up, it's a cry for help. We don't need you to fix us. We don't need you to give us advice. We just need you to listen. Even if you've never been through it, even if you don't know at all anything about it, just sit there, just listen. That's it. That's our outlet is for someone to listen. And, uh, I never spoke to her about it again. She never asked me, you know, how I was doing. Um Then just one day, she decided to ask me one question. She goes, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, sure. And she says to me, why do you think that it's your only way out? Why do you think that this is the only thing you can do? Why is it the answer? And I said to her... Let me read a book on it first and then I'll get back to you. People don't realize it's, it's not that we, not we, me. It's not that I want it to be my only way out. It's the only feeling I have for it to be my only way out. When someone gets up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and all you see is ugly, not ugly because I'm ugly because I know I'm not ugly but I don't I don't see beauty in any of what happened Uh I don't see beauty when I look into the world I don't see what you might see is what I don't see I don't like being like this I've been I've now grown accustomed to being like this I only I feel like I'm just existing I don't feel like I'm actually living living You know, it's made so many things harder for me. You know, I might date the per like I'm dating someone now. I might date the person, and it's fantastic. It is. It's honestly fantastic. But it takes a while for me to get comfortable in terms of your touch. And that's hard all in itself, you know. I just never know what the next day is going to bring. And I have my good days. Don't get me wrong, I do. I have my great days that I don't even think sometimes about it. But the catch is when I'm alone and I'm in the the comfort of my own home and I'm in the dark and all these thoughts come back to me, Mm -hmm. all of them, you know, sometimes I could suppress them. And I've done that for years where I've put them in the back of my mind and it's like, no, you, you got to do this. There There's a reason why you're here. You got to do it. I can never find really a reason why I'm here other than sometimes entertaining people, but it's hard. And honest to God, it's hard. It's even harder when you hear other people talk about suicide, talk about how they've been uh, molested, abused, raped, you name it, and how some people will turn around and say, well, they're just doing it for attention. No, they're, they're sharing it out loud. They're saying it out loud because they want someone to help them. If you make enough years go by and you become as broken as some of us have, there's no fixing us. We just, know how to mask it. We know how to cope and deal and just move on. I know a girl who is a little worse than me. She got married. She has kids, but to this day, she still feels it and she still wants out. Mm -hmm. It just becomes you. There's no other way to describe it.
0: How old were you that second attempt?
1: I was just approaching 30 when I did my second attempt.
0: Same thing, pills? Pills.
1: And it's it's funny (laughs) because I could easily get a razor blade. It has nothing to do with the courage of it. I just, I don't want to be cut. <laughs> I don't. I laugh about it now like this, but it's uncomfortable laugh. I just don't want to be cut. I, I, I don't want, I don't want to leave that type of impression on anybody. I don't want to scar up my body like that. Um, I, it's not like I think my body's a, a temple or anything. I just don't want that. That's just different. And I know, um, I had a friend who I knew that she cut herself enough times. And I totally understand when she used to say, you know, I cut myself so I could feel the pain. And that's the same thing with me and pills. I take those pills so I can feel it. And to the point that if I take enough of them, it'll numb me up and then I don't feel nothing. Mm-hmm. So It's the same thing when I hear someone say they cut themselves at that initial, you know, razor blade to to, to skin they take it you feel the coldness on you and I've I've had the razor blade in my hand before I felt that coldness I just don't I I don't like the feeling of being cut I don't even like a paper cut so I know that I'm not going to do that but has that crossed my mind absolutely it has because I know it's faster and I know that maybe maybe hopefully not but maybe that is one route I will go if it doesn't end the way I want it to end. My last attempt was not too long ago. I was so close. And that's what the scary thing is. It put a smile on my face knowing I was so close, but no cigar. So I thought, what the fuck? Why is, why is someone or something stopping this? Why? Why that very second? Why is somebody calling 911? Or why is somebody dragging me into a car to get me some help? Or why? Why? So,
0: so when you say not too long ago, time frame. About a month or so. Can you, if you comfortable, how did that play out?
1: Not so good, because now I have to see a doctor again. But again, like I said, someone found me.
0: Fam- uh, family member.
1: Family member found me. And um, we went again. I woke up and emerged. And the first thing I said when my eyes opened up was, fuck me. Fuck me. I was so angry that it had happened again. Not the attempt, but the Jesus, can you just let me fucking go? You know? Yeah. And uh,
0: So do your family members recognize that this is a conscious attempt? Or do your family members think, ooh, maybe she just took too many pills, and that's an accidental thing.
1: It's an accidental thing because it's so easy for me to convince them. Right. Um, only because when I want, you, the tears will come on. But obviously, somebody who knows me well enough will know what real tears are as opposed to what my fake ones are so if I just stream a couple here and there and I don't get into that whole heavy breathing I'm telling you the truth you know Um, but it's easy to convince them and my family doesn't know like I mean aunts and uncles cousins or whatever not not even my brother really knows you know like what I do Mm -hmm. Um, and I have to say thank God that they don't say anything because again I'm a private person like that even though here I'm not but It's just one of those. So now I have to see someone again and I have to talk to them again. And it's like, no amount of talking is going to change my mind. No amount of, so let's bring it back to when you were a kid. No, I've been there. I've talked to enough of you guys to know. You know, for me, when I see one of those doctors, it's funny because I walked into, not this time, my second attempt, I walked in. It was a female doctor. And uh, she sat there. And uh, she had her her her, her great her shoes were amazing. I have to say that. And uh, you can't help it, you know. Um, so I look up and right behind her is all her plaques. You know, she had every plaque possible. Every diploma, I think, possible. And she sat there and she kind of reminded me of the guy. So I wanted to ask her, honest to God, like, are you related to him? Anyhow... She started with the whole talk and she said, what do you see? And I said to her, pardon? And she says, I'm going to ask you again. What do you see? And I said, in front of me, I'm like, I see someone with a lot of diplomas. She's like, that's not what I'm asking you. She goes, what do you see? And I smiled at her and I said, you're asking me if I see darkness. So yeah, obviously, if I've attempted it already once, and this that was my second one, obviously I see darkness. I'm like, there's always a dark cloud behind me, above me, in front of me, below me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where it is. It's always there. I'm like, so don't sit there with my file in your hand asking me, what do you see? I'm like, now I'm going to ask you, what do you know about us? Mm -hmm. What do you know about people like us? I'm like, other than what the textbook has told you about us, what do you know about us? And she went, well, I know I can help you. Okay. Okay. That's a jerk. Then help me. She's like, well, let's start. No, you wanted to help me. Everything about me is in that folder. So then you should know who I am. So how are you going to help me? You asked me three times. What do you What do you see? So now I'm going to ask you. How do you help? How do you save the darkness from inside? How do you save it? How? If I, maybe maybe as a child you might have been able to help save. I got up and said to her, I don't want to waste your time anymore. There's no helping me. You want to talk to me? Sure, let's talk. But you can't help me. When someone as broken as me doesn't feel like there is a tomorrow, how do you help them? How? Without every minute of wanting to break down. The hardest part about all of this is not just how I feel. It's not The pain I feel every morning, other than, you know, your typical, your back aches and whatever, because we're getting old. The pain of breathing, and not because it's fucking polluted outside, I can't breathe. I can't feel like I'm taking a clear breath, a fresh breath. But the hardest part is, I have to see this particular person almost every other day. You know what I mean? When I run into the man, man, boy, idiot, ass. Piece of shit. Who raped me? How? How's that fair? The, how, how does that make me feel like I can take a deep breath knowing that these people are still out there? Yes, people will say, and I've heard this before, that it's my fault that I haven't opened up, that I haven't said, you know, let there be justice.
0: Do you think that would help?
1: Not anymore. I think that if I could take back time, if I can rewind it,
0: like ignore me, if I fa- let me know right away, if anything that I'm saying sounds really stupid, because I just mm-hmm. really want to understand. Do you feel that if there was some sort of, for lack of a better word, vengeance, you would feel any different?
1: I've heard that question before. And I think that if there, this is how I answered it before. I think that if their life ended, I would feel better knowing that they wouldn't walk these streets again. Yeah knowing that they wouldn't be able to hurt another child the person who raped me has kids and crazy is got i think he's got two daughters yeah and i think that if something should happen to them that would hurt me but if something should happen to him or the person who abused me as a child that wouldn't bother me i know it sounds cold
0: doesn't sound cold would you feel good
1: i feel good i wouldn't shed a tear and I've said this before. I mean, my mom knows about the person who did it as a child. So, and I've I've, I've talked to her about that before. That if he were to go, it wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't cry in terms of oh my god, I'm so sad. I would cry, oh my god, I'm so happy. And I have said before that if knock on wood, it'd be my dad to be the first one gone. I would unleash. The worst on this man, not in a physical, violent type of way, even though, Lord help me, Mark, I have thought about it so many times. But I would let people know, and whether they chose to believe me or not, I wouldn't care. But at least the one man in my life, aside from my brother, that means the world to me, wouldn't have to hear it, wouldn't have to know that his, I'm so close to him, that his, he always calls me princess, that his princess, you know, baby girl, had to go through all of that. And to this day at 39, I still have to feel that effect, you know? So it's hard.
0: Does the idea that your mother knows and she also has to play an active role in keeping that from your father, Mm -hmm. does that play a lot into what goes on inside your head?
1: It does. Because when I was, just after I was raped, I think I was 20 something years old, I sat downstairs with her and... I lit up a cigarette and even though smoking was a no-no in my house, I just did. (laughs) And, um, I sat there and I sat at the kitchen table and I said to her, I'm like, why can't I say anything? I said, I understand that he might lose it. And I understand that it's not only going to hurt him emotionally or, or, or that I understand that he might take a physical vengeance against this particular person. I said, why are you helping? Why do you want me to help you? Because ultimately, I really wanted to say something. But I understood. And after talking to her, she, you know, your dad, your dad, your dad's going to do this and that. To some degree, I had a, what's the word I'm looking for? Resented. I kind of resented my mom. I love her to pieces. I do. But I resented her because she wanted to keep this as quiet as possible.
0: Does any part of you believe that your mother might have different reasons other than what she's expressing to you about keeping it from your father for not saying anything?
1: No, I think that she is fearful, especially at the time, fearful of what he would have done. Um, my dad, you've seen him. He looks calm and, and good and... <laughs> He wasn't always that calm, right. and I think that at the time when it when uh, when I went through what happened, what happened, um, she was afraid because he was a little more hot-headed, so she was afraid of that, and right. she did want me to keep that a secret, and I understood why, and I get that, you know, but like I said, um, I begged her at the kitchen table that I really wanted this out, and she begged me not to say anything. I have forgiven her. I have. I have nothing against her. Mm-hmm. I don't resent her anymore. Um, I've moved on from that piece of it. So
0: is that something that you had to make a conscious decision to do, or, like not resenting your mother or feeling angry towards your mother? Is that something that just kind of, as you grew older, that just kind of slowly dropped off, or did you have to like, th- make an effort to be like, I, I, I want to not feel this way towards my mother?
1: No, it. Like you said, I, I I did not have to work at that. I had I I did have after talking to her a few times, and I did tell her to her face that I didn't like it, and I think that that was my outlet. Like it was good to let her know that. Yeah. And I did say to her face, this is like part of it's your fault, you know. Um. Once that was said out loud, I knew that it wasn't her fault per se. Um. I knew that she was doing what she thought was best as a wife and as a mother. I don't necessarily, now that I'm older, I don't necessarily agree. I think that if I were to ever have children, that if I ever heard that, one, I wouldn't be so fearful of my husband. (laughs) Not that the fear of telling him, but I would not fear what he would do to the person. I think the person should fear what I would do because I know what it felt like. Um, But no, I never held it against her. I just know the demons that I fight are different than the demons that somebody else fights or would fight. And I didn't want to drag her into that. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense to you.
0: It makes a lot of sense.
1: Because really, it's not really her fault what happened. I think that if now looking back, if I could tell my younger self... I would tell my younger self, open up and just say something. Don't worry about the consequences. Don't worry about who's going to think what or what's going to happen or who's going to kill who. Just do it. I'm not sure if it would be different in terms of how I think and feel now. Maybe it would and maybe it wouldn't. I've had people say to me, well, once you let it out and you let everybody know, you feel better. And No. I knew a kid who we all saw him as a happy person, Mark. Oh, my God. If you saw this kid, I didn't know him well, well, but I knew him. And nobody knew he was battling depression. Because yeah. it's not something we go around telling people. Um, we don't say, hey, by the way, I'm going to slice my wrist today. No, we don't say that. Like, hey, by the way, at 5 o'clock, I'm going to hang myself. You know? And he did. He hung himself in his garage and his mother found him. You know? What do you do? But nobody knows why he did it. He wrote a letter. The letter was simple, apparently from what I heard, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I've been feeling like this. It's been a while or whatever the case was at the time. And when they found him, they found a whole bunch of, um, sorry, uh, cigarette butts. So obviously, and drinking, he was drinking, obviously he thought about this Uh because people think that we're selfish because we want to take our own life. I don't think that. I don't think it's selfish. And people and I have I've asked that question before. What do you think is so selfish about me wanting to end my life? I'm not ending yours. I'm ending mine. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, because people are here are gonna miss you. Well, that's not selfish all in itself. Asking that. Asking somebody who wishes that they weren't taking it another breath. They wish that they didn't have to think of the same fucking pain that's been bothering them forever and ever, you know? So you telling me that it's selfish of me to take my life because you're going to miss me or you don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck, that's not what I'm thinking of, you know? And that is the one statement that bothers me. So when this kid, uh I don't know if I should say his name, but when this kid did what he did, it hurt a lot of people around him yeah. and they were so angry at him. And that's another thing that people say, you know, people are going to be so fucking mad at you. I'm not thinking about that. Like I literally I'm not thinking of how mad Mark's going to be or how mad uh, Tina's going to be or, you know, like I'm not thinking of that. I'm not thinking at that very moment, you know, who's going to give me the greatest fucking eulogy. No, I don't care. I'm thinking what what am what am I gonna do? How am I gonna feel my like how am I gonna make myself feel better? You know so if me closing my eyes like that kid, he hung himself, that's the only thought in his head at that very moment and that was his outlet. And when I heard them talking and saying, you know, he shouldn't have done that and he shouldn't have hung himself, you're right. I know I sound like a hypocrite, but you're right. I shouldn't be taking the pills I take. I
0: don't think you're sounding like a hypocrite and I don't know much about this. I can just you know speak from. Just my thoughts, and I th- and I assume that when you're in those moments, you you're not thinking about anything else. You're Absolutely. not thinking about you're not thinking about your friends or your family or other loved ones. You're not thinking about who the hell is gonna find me and what's gonna happen because I almost feel like if you did, it might at least for that moment be a little bit of deterrent.
1: Right, that's what has stopped me before from. Uh, we have sleeping pills. My dad has sleeping pills downstairs. So if I truly, he's got a full, a full container. If I truly, truly, not that I'm saying that I didn't want to before, but if I truly had to sit there and think of, oh my God, my mom, my dad, my brother, my niece, my nephew, and maybe now a handful of people and my boyfriend, you know, if I had to sit there and stop and think every time of how they're going to feel or how they're, No, I need, the only thing that runs through my head when I put my, my cocktails together is please let this be it. That's it.
0: Do you think that almost, that you're almost testing it out? Like, okay, how many pills is this going to take? Absolutely. How close can I get? Absolutely. That way, you know, I'm not saying that your previous attempts weren't attempts. They were, but like when I just want it done. I know exactly what I'm going to do and there's no turning back.
1: Yes, absolutely. But <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if there's not I don't want to call it a spirit but some someone someone is always there to intervene and and, and be there and save the day and be you know like that hero that you see in all the fucking movies you know like no it's not like i sit there and i count okay it's gonna take 15 of these ones and 30 of these ones no Mm -hmm. i just know that when i take them and when especially when i get into the darkest darkest deepest moments of my i don't even know if you want to call this a brain anymore but when i get into that That is where I just popped to pop. And my very last attempt, I felt my heart and I felt it slowing itself down. And believe it or not, I actually looked up. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, I actually smiled like I meant it and not just a smile. Mm -hmm. Like I actually I thought, yes, this is it. And in my head, I'm like, this is it. I'm like, I didn't write a letter. That's not wasn't my thought, you know. Before I had myself in a way where I wanted to say I'm sorry to a couple of people because I didn't want to leave them the way I I would have left them, you know. Um But this time I thought, this is it. This is how it's gonna end. And it's sad. That's how I really want my story to go. I do. And I hear people say, but you know, you want kids. So what is what I say? I do want kids, but what does that have anything to do with how fucked up my head is? You know what I mean? Just because I want kids doesn't mean that I'm going to pass this on to them. It's not, it's not something that, how do I, it's not something that you get from your parents. So I've heard people say, yeah, it is. No, not really. No, depression isn't or mental illness or, or suicide attempts are not something you just get from your parents because my parents weren't like that. You know, Um, I had an uncle who was my, my dad's brother. He was depressed, like crazy, you know, he killed himself. And they say, well, see, it's genetic. No, no, it's not genetic. And we don't know. I don't know why he did it. He just had something in his brain that wasn't connected for whatever reason. I mean, he served, so who knows what that did to him? You know, mine's a whole different story, just like you can meet so many people out there and it'll be a different story for them. I had a really good friend of mine not too long ago, you know, same thing. He attempted. Now he has a daughter and he's thinking different. And I applaud that, Mark. I do. I honest to God do, because if you can see the light at the end of that tunnel, and what's pushing him forward is his daughter. Perfect. Do it. If it makes you feel like you're getting the type of help or it makes you feel different and you can go for it. Go. Not all of us are rotten inside. Not all of us have that flame that is burning inside of us that just want to go, you know. And he's been through his fair share of of um, abuse, you know. And it saddened me because he never knew my story. Right. He never even knew at all that I suffered at all the way I do. I had a feeling that he did because he. some of them will wear their heart on their sleeve and they will show it with their face and and it's fine and there's nothing wrong with it. However, he got help differently. And after his daughter was born and so forth, you know what? He found a new way of coping with it. Yeah. He still battles those demons and once in a while he'll call and he'll message and he feels that Sometimes talking to me, because not only because I understand it, makes him feel better. And that's great. If you ask a majority of people who are suffering with mental illness, you might even see it online, where some of them will say, you know, tonight I want it to end. Tonight I want to cut myself so deep that I just want it to stop, or I want all the hurt inside of me to stop. And you hear, sorry, you read what they're writing, and then you read some of the comments, and they say, well, you're doing it for attention. Are you doing it? No, stupid. Mm -hmm. It's their outlet. You don't have to give them advice, but you can let them know that you're there. And the same thing with one of my friends. You know, he does that every so often where he'll message me or call me and he's having a bad day. You know, no problem. I will sit here. I will listen. I don't have to do what one of my other friends did. I got to figure it out first. You know, Yeah. what do you do? Like, what do you mean you got to figure it out first? It's not something you need to figure out. You need to just sit there and be a friend And just listen. I've known you for 20-something years. Just sit there and listen. That's all somebody ever wants. If they're that comfortable in coming to you and talking to you about it, they just want you to listen.
0: To me, this is one thing that I will always take seriously. Because I don't think people reach out or speak because they want attention. I don't believe that. I will always take this as this is a genuine call for help. And you know what? If my job is to lend an ear and be there, then that's my job. Because I'm not throwing this into the category of this person just wants attention. They're looking for some attention. No, 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 no. People don't joke about this. At least at least, at least that's the way my mind works. Mm-hmm. You don't joke about it. Absolutely. Are your demons getting harder to deal with? They are. As you're getting older, it's becoming more difficult?
1: Yeah, because I feel now that I'm in a different stage in my life. I look back and I think, I think to myself, well... I did school. I did, I, I'm working or, I, you know, but I feel a sense of emptiness still. Yeah.
0: Um, is that empty, it, in that emptiness, the same getting bigger or shrinking?
1: No, the emptiness always gets bigger for me.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel that I've let so many people down that I should have done things differently. But then the biggest thing for me is I let myself down. I let all of this totally eat me up inside. Mm-hmm. I feel that if I could go back and tell my younger self and my teenager self and my early 20s self, don't let the darkness grab you the way it does, I think that there would have been maybe a saving grace in there somewhere.
0: Do you think that your 40-year-old self is going to have the same conversation with me saying, man, I wish I told my 30-something-year-old self something, 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 something. In other words, the same way you're talking about, in retrospect, if I had just done this, maybe I would be in a better place than I am right now. So is there something that you can do right now that you would be in a better place 10 years from now? Or do you think there is no fixing? And when I say fixing, I'm not talking about taking away. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about... Small chips to make that emptiness a little bit less, to make the demons a little bit less.
1: I feel see, I'm on the fence about that because I feel that the demons in me are pretty much here to stay. Um, back in the day, it was a little easier to lock them up and push them aside and say, you know what, I I got this, you know. I still try to say I got this. And like I said, I have my good days and bad days where my good days is, yeah, look at me. I fucking got this, you know? So
0: you do have good days. I
1: do have good days. I do. Um, it seems like I used to have good days a little bit more back then than I do now, but only because I feel that that empty black hole or, or cloud or whatever you want to call it is just so much bigger. And I feel like I I can't breathe and that, scares me to a point, because can I tell you honestly, can I see myself in five years? No, I can't. Did I think that I would be here at 39? No, I was hoping that I wouldn't see my 30s. Am I grateful? To some degree, I am. Honestly, I am. I always look at it as, you know how you have Bad angel and a good angel. Okay, those two are always fucking fighting, and I'm stuck in the middle. It's like a bad relationship, you know? But that's how I feel. I feel like I am stuck between a rock and a hard place, but it's the two angels. And I think that the only reason why I'm here is because the good angel is somehow finding a way to keep me here. To say, you know, try to find a speck of light somewhere. In it because I never really saw the light at the end of the tunnel or I never really looked up and saw, Oh my God, there's, there's something I can see. It was always black. Right. And it just can black get blacker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where I feel can black get blacker. And I, and then I got the, the, the devil saying, Wait till you crawl into bed at night. Wait till it's dark outside. Because during the day, I have a good angel where I'm I'm busy doing certain things. So I'm not really thinking about it. Yep. But there are moments, I'm not going to lie, when I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, hmm, that bridge looks good. You know, should I? And I've done it before where I've stopped at the bridge and I've looked down and I say, Fuck, I'm scared of heights, but shit, this looks good right now, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
1: no one's going to find me right away. And something pulls me back. So am I fighting every day with myself to say, yeah, try to look for something good? Mm -hmm. Try to find a positive from all this disgusting negative that's been going on? Absolutely. Did I see myself at 39 the way I am now? Not just mentally? No. If my mental wasn't there like the way it is now... I wouldn't have such a problem being 39 and being where I am because it's not that that bothers me. I know who I am. I know I'm strong because if I wasn't strong, I most definitely would have put that razor blade that day or would have jumped that day. I am finding a different way to cope, to make it through, to continue breathing.
0: What are your different ways of coping? What are you using as tools to help you cope?
1: Anything, honest to God. There, there's not a specific thing.
0: So like, what's the last tool that helped you cope?
1: I was with a friend of mine not too long ago. That was one of the easiest ways of dealing with it. Right. I think that if it wasn't for him and his conversations, um, that to me was an easy outlet. I like having, not when I spoke to him, it was had nothing really to do with what's going on with me. Right. It was simple conversation. So something as simple as that helps me during the day or at night. Um, even being around my niece and my nephew helps me because they're so innocent and it's so easy to be with them. And they have such an uh, a playfulness to them. Mm-hmm. However, my nephew sometimes irritates me, but that's not the
0: point. <laughs> I
1: mean, boys just do that in general. It has nothing to do with, you know, the the boy thing, right?
0: I've got two daughters. Kids do that in general. <laughs>
1: right? Do so you understand what I mean. But it's just their, 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 their way of what's it called? Finding the innocence in everything they do. Even drawing a picture. I could sit there and I can color a picture. And Lord knows that if you see my coloring right now, you'd be like, wait a second, who colored this? Because <laughs> there's just moments that I get lost and I'm like, okay, we're not doing this in the lines, you know? Believe it or not, I actually can live through them when I'm sitting there and I'm playing Lego. Or doing a puzzle or even watching a YouTube video that honest to God, I'm like, really another tutorial on this crap, you know, Mm. but it allows me to escape. Even if it's for half an hour, it allows me to escape. If I'm on the phone or I'm texting one of my really good friends, he brings that out of me where he allows me to get out of the state that I'm in to bring me back to say, you know what I did today? I stubbed my toe. Great. You know, let's talk about your toe now, you know, but the hardest part is when I'm alone, when my thoughts
0: come out. Because there is no distraction at that point. There is no escape.
1: Yes. My mind sometimes is like a horror film. Swear to God. It's like, you know, in the horror films where you hear the kids laughing and it's like you're in the scene of, um, What's it called? Not the playground, the um, the fair.
0: I oh, don't know, man. I don't do scary movies. You
1: don't. <laughs> okay.
0: I don't. I don't. I don't like the sensation of being scared.
1: Okay. Well, it's one of those, you know. Na 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 That is what goes through my. See, if you shivered. Yeah. Now imagine being in my brain like that, where at night that's what goes through my head. You know, you you have the, I'm in a cemetery with a miracle rounds playing the creepiest fucking music that is what it feels like sometimes in here you know where it's like here we go and what do i do i'm like all right give me the fucking popcorn let's sit back let's watch this shit unfold you know that's that's how it feels like sometimes to the point that if i pop enough pills and i drink enough not that i'm an alcoholic but if i drink enough then you know what my eyes might close and hey at this point, I'm gambling. It's like blackjack. I'm either going to wake up or I'm not. And that's how it plays out for me. Do I wish this on anybody? Never. If there's anything I could ever tell anybody who's going through anything, that, whether it be mine or worse, find a way to make it better before it's too late. You always hear, oh, things will get better. You know, things mm-hmm. will always. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Things could get better. Things may be better. Things will get better. But. You have to do it before it's too late.
0: Define too late.
1: To m- my point, to to where I am today, to where I feel like I'm nothing. That I'm too broken. That hell, if if when you get a birthday cake and you have to blow out the candles, <laughs> you're wishing for you know. Give me one of your wishes, for instance.
0: Can't can't tell you they wouldn't come true. <laughs> All
1: right, let's pretend you're wishing for popcorn. You okay. get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm not wishing for popcorn. I'm blowing out my candle saying, please let this be my last birthday.
0: Do you believe in, in an afterlife?
1: I knew that question was coming.
0: How did you know that question was coming?
1: Because I hear it sometimes coming from doctors and, and whatnot saying that if I should leave this life, do you think that there's another life out there for you? The or something afterlife? different or um,
0: does your soul go somewhere else? Like, Is is it another escape the same way being with the kids and it occupies your mind it's an escape. So I'm always curious, like, I, I this probably sounds so stupid, and I apologize no, no. if this is sounding stupid, but I'm always curious, like, is is this an attempt to get to the next better place? I sure hope so. Or is this just an attempt to just not be where I am and not exist and not feel because I don't exist? Like this to me is a mind trip. It trips me out so bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, is there an afterlife for you?
1: I've always said there was an afterlife. Yeah. However, speaking to a whole bunch of people saying that the afterlife, you know, you'll always see your relatives or people and friends. I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. No, I don't want to do that again.
0: Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows that if I'm going to the same fucking place you're coming to, yeah. Um, listen. I don't want to relive that. Not, not, I don't want to do it now. So Lord knows that I don't want to do it in an afterlife. I don't want to exist. Um, so I'm hoping that if there is an afterlife, which I kind of believe that there might be, I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm on the fence with that one. Because yeah. like I said, if it has to be with the same people that I'm enduring my shit now with now. No, well,
0: I don't, I don't well, want to do Well, when I that. say afterlife, I mean like a place where you are still your mind, your soul, but it's a better...
1: That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that if I do go to any other place, that it is a better place than this. Right. I, for sure, for sure, <laughs> don't want to bring this with me into the afterlife. I, I I, want it almost as if it never happened to me.
0: Clean never. slate.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I hope I don't have to run into anybody that I don't like there because I would totally suck. <laughs> I have this running uh, joke in my in my family where they say, you know, you're going to hell because I'm so sarcastic and I use sarcasm as a way out and whatever. Um, but I can also be a bitch. And I, they always say, you know, like, you're, you're going to go to hell. And I'm like, you know what? Hell doesn't even want me. They're building a whole new fucking place for me. Like, literally, they're building a whole <laughs> new place. Lord knows the man upstairs is like, I'm not sure if I want to let her in. And I'm like, hey, listen, don't worry about it at this point, you know? Um, I feel like I'm already suffering the way it is. So you're not helping me too much right now. But I don't even think Lucifer himself appreciates where I'm coming from. He's like, you know what? Luc- Lucifer's like, fuck it. I can't deal with her. She's going to drive me insane. Yeah, so Troublemaker. Just, keep, yeah.
0: keep her outside you know? out of here.
1: Yeah. So Lucifer is taking a, a different route when it comes to me. It's like, you know what? Let's just build her her own mansion. <laughs> it's easier that way. So, so, but if they can throw me in with some cool fucking people, that'd be great. <laughs> Any other lost souls out there? Yeah, come, come find me. Let's talk. But all jokes aside, if anyone really is feeling, you know, like me or worse than me, and doctors are not your thing because I know doctors are not my thing. But hell, I have to do it every so often just to appease them. But talk to someone. Find someone that you're comfortable enough to talk to. Yeah. Um, make sure for sure that they don't need a fucking textbook before they uh, figure out how to talk to you. But talk to someone. Even if it isn't a good friend or a sister or a brother, or an aunt, an uncle. doesn't matter. Even if it's someone online, mm-hmm. just talk just talk. That's it. Just talk. It, I want to say that, you know, cliche phrase where it gets easier. It might get easier for you. I can't be 100% it will. I can only hope that it will. Um, I might sound two-faced when I say that, but I do want anyone who's going through any of this stuff to get better. Get better. You know, someone could turn around and say, well, you should get better too. Absolutely. Fuck. <laughs> you think I don't want to? I do. I am I fight with that almost every day where I'm like, hey, how do we make this better? Like, give me something to make it better. You know, Um, I I just want someone to reach out before it's too late for them. And I don't just mean too late for them when they take their own life. Uh, going back to people saying that it's selfish. I don't really think it's selfish. I applaud them. But then I'm also sad. And you can say, well, that sounds two-faced. It does. I understand where you're coming from. Should you ever say that? But I mean it where they had enough and none of us would know really what was going through that person's head, Mm -hmm. where if they ever decided to throw themselves off a bridge or cut themselves or medicate themselves or whatever is their their way of leaving this world. I applaud you because you did what a lot of us want to do. And a lot of us thought of doing and a lot of us got help because we wanted to do. But I applaud you because I'm hoping that you're in a better place. I'm hoping that you're finally at peace and that you're finally smiling from the inside out and not the other way. You know, I see so many people, whether I'm driving or I'm walking or whatever, and they're smiling and everyone has a story, you know, and you try to figure out, is that smile genuine or not, you know? At the end of the day, I'm not asking for anyone to save me. I think I'm far past being saved. I think the only way to save any piece of me is having to do it alone. Um, I have friends and family who say they love me, and that's great. It might be genuine. I don't even know anymore if it is. But that's just me. That's my personal demon. I never think anyone's I love you is ever truly genuine. Um I might feel that it might be genuine, but then again, I don't know if I'm just overthinking that. If I'm thinking that because I endured what I endured as a child, that that's what I crave. Somebody mm-hmm. to want me from me or be around me for me. That's a lot that plays into your head at the, at the time anyways. I just hope that regardless of my outcome, that it'll help somebody else. That's all I can really say.
0: Right on. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing.
1: This was actually really, really hard and I did it with uh, minimal tears in my eyes, but it was hard. And again, I do hope that your podcast, somebody hears it. I know a lot of people do because I listen to your podcast. I do hope that it does help. I hope that it sheds some type of light that somebody will reach out to anybody.
0: For sure. Even just helping someone understand it a little bit better Absolutely. you know it's not just go to the doctor go see therapy or take your medication yeah you know it's way complex it's there's nothing about this that's black and white this is just one big fucking gray
1: right and hey at the end of the day if therapy is what help one person and it's going to help the other go nuts that's fine i applaud anyone who even wants to attempt doing it it's not for me Mm -hmm. I've done it. I've been there. It's not for me. And people say, continue on with it. But if it's going to help someone, go for it. If it's going to help you to call one of those 1-800 numbers, suicidal, go for it. I'm not going to tell anyone not to. If it helps you to go to church, go to church. If it helps you to take a walk and talk it out loud as if you're a crazy motherfucker, then do it. I don't care how you do it. Just let it out. I've, to this day, try to let it out. It's just gotten harder for me to let it out because one of my good friends is no longer here. Not that she, she didn't die or anything, just we see differences. And so me opening up to her and her response to it was just completely different. And so that made me back off. And the only person other than my therapist is a really good friend of mine. And once in a while, I do. I dump a shitload. On, I dump a shitload on him, but it's not fair either to him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But then he's so great because he talks me out of a lot of shit.
0: So that's awesome. Right on.
1: Did this help you in any way? I understand a little bit?
0: Definitely. I so appreciate you doing this. This is.
1: Thank I, you.
0: I understand how difficult this whole thing probably was. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And
1: you're very, very welcome.
0: I think we'll call it a wrap. I think so. You've been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone.